Welcome to Black Girl from Eugene. Um, as usual, I'm struggling with the mechanics of this whole thing, but uh, you know, I keep thinking every week it'll get better. Maybe it will. So let's start. I have my sister on the line, and we are joining you guys to to uh, talk. So let's let's go back in some memory here. Let's let's reminisce about the good times. Um, COVID nineteen quarantine has been getting directly into my head. And I was thinking like right this time, we've been almost a month and a half, six weeks. We started March 16th. So I like, you know, I got to think of some times where it was like back in the day when um, things were, were crazy and we had no idea what the next step was. And yet we uh, persevered and came out on, a, on the other side in such a way that it was just um, life changing and positive for everyone involved. So I thought about it and I was like, when was this like, when can I think of a good time that was super funny? that was crazy. Um, and so I thought I got to do one with my sister when my sister, myself, my mom, my dad, and our dog, who was a Malamute shepherd. Her name is Sydney. We okay, mixed with wolf. And, um, well, she, we all got together and we went, uh, well, we all got together. It was a time where our parents, it was 1992 and our parents were like, you guys were moving to Costa Rica. So, <laughs> right. So Naima, Naima was 14 and I was 15 and um, that we got to put that we were in Eugene, Oregon. So the idea was that we were going to drive our car attached to a trailer from Oregon to Costa Rica in Central America. If, if people are not aware, it's the second to last country in Central America before you reach South America. <laughs> Right before Panama. Right before Panama. Okay, so good morning, Naima. You want to say hello so I can make sure your sound is good? Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. I'm glad you were able. Now, I want everyone to know that uh, Naima is actually in Hawaii, which uh, that's where she lives, and she is uh, about three hours earlier than us, so she's up at eight to do this with us. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Try to shake it off a little bit and hopefully we can uh, wake up. This is a, this is very deep in our memory. So anyway, so let's get started. Okay. So it's funny because we recorded this show yesterday and then there was no sound because you guys know that I am um, mechanically, I'm, I'm what technically challenged apparently during this quarantine. So anyway, uh, okay. So. Let's start from this top because we talked about it yesterday and then we were like, we could do it again and now we know a little bit better. But so we were. 15. Yeah, I just go Right. So I was, I w we lived in Eugene at the time and I was 15. This was actually the time that we left Eugene and I did not come back until I was 31. So, um, so anyway, so we left, I was 15 and, and Naima was 14. And I think the yeah, first eighth question. Grader. You know, eighth grader. Yeah, and I was a freshman. Um, and I think the first question I was asking you was like, do you remember when mom and dad said we are actually going to Costa Rica? I, I think you and yeah. I both thought they were kidding. And so, yeah, no, I didn't think they were kidding. It was just like, I didn't, they didn't make it clear. Like it wasn't, I remember it, it was not clear. Like it was kind of like a, I knew we were going somewhere. Like we were going to be moving. And like, but I didn't know that it was like actually planned or it was happening. And they kept throwing the word Belize. It was Belize, 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 Belize. Yeah. And so I was like looking at everything in Belize and I was not happy about it. And like, it was like right on the edge. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, because mom, mom and dad were talking about Belize first, and then they changed their mind and thought Costa Rica. Now remember, we're fourteen and fifteen, so they're not like talking details about this trip with us. They're just they're doing their thing. So we first thought Belize. 
Um, which I thought was kind of funny because I actually liked the idea of Bailey's better because I was thinking I'd be living on the beach, right? Now, oh, wow. yeah, and then we talked about Costa Rica, and I was like, I don't know anything about Costa Rica. Like, what is what is Costa Rica? We had no idea. Like, we made I just a, heard of the place. Didn't know it existed. We didn't even know it existed. And you got to remember that this time, y'all, it was like we were um, there was no cell phones, there was no like internet searching, anything like that. So if we wanted and to, and it was also like. It was also right, like in Eugene, Oregon, where it's, we used to do, in eighth grade especially, we used to do a lot of patriotic songs, a lot of America this, America that, you know, right. the singing about the flags and all that. It's really super patriotic, you know, America is it and there's nothing else. Right, like, so why, in our mind, look anywhere else? Exactly, so in our mind, it was like, if you're not in the United States, then you're like in a third world country, right? Like that was kind Period. of like, uh, us and all of our friends were like, if you're not here, then where in the hell are you? You know, you're like, a, yeah. you, you basically drop off the earth. And it was one of those things where we didn't understand that, that like, you know, there's actual, like, metropolis, there, there's cities and things in other countries. There, that was not to, uh, in our head. Our head was like we were going to a third world country. They have, do not have water. They probably don't know anything about clothes. They probably don't, they yeah, definitely they don't know about basketball. Right. It was know. ignorant, y'all. It was real, real ignorant. So, anyway. In our defense, though, I think, I think part of it may have been because of stories we heard about Guyana. Yeah, we, the true, true, because our parents had lived in Guyana um, before we were born, and it, they lived in, in the, the jungle. jungle, in the jungle, jungle. So we, we were we were not trying to do repeat our sibling stories of living in the jungle. Um, so so we were like we were freaking out a little bit. So we get to the point where we're leaving, right? And so I I decide that if I'm we going to a protest. We, we both decided we we're going to protest. We're going to protest leaving the Costa Rica because we can't go living in a third world country. So, uh, so I decide I'm just leaving. And you decide, what did you decide you were going to do? I wasn't going to eat or drink anymore until they changed their mind. Right, right. <laughs> we're dramatic. So, <laughs> so I decide I'm not going. And so I'm just not going to be there when they leave. Because I figured, you know, at 15, if I wasn't there, they would just go without me. Right? <laughs> And I could just live in the house and by myself, I guess. I don't really know what I was thinking, but I was pretty sure that if I wasn't there when it was time to leave, that I just wouldn't have to go. And Naira, when did you stop eating and drinking the day we left? I think they, they told us three weeks before we were leaving because you got like you got to remember it was like little signs were happening. You know, like little, little, little signs. <laughs> like the car. With Dad, we already have two cars. Yeah. And mom bought that Jeep. And I was like, why are we buying a Jeep? <laughs> what is Jeep about, you know? Right. And then um, mom and then had just came back from that trip from Mexico. In the, in, uh, and so I'm still thinking, like, maybe they're going on another trip with me, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then uh, I had just got to Cascade Medical, like I said, because that was really big to me. I was in Roosevelt Middle School. A friend of mine snitched on me. <laughs> Ended up getting me kicked out, so I had to go to Cascade. And um, I just got to Cascade, was there for maybe two weeks, you know, and um, Dad, I believe, is the one that told me. Like, he came, he was like, hey, you need to, oh, I wanted to do track. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I wanted to track, you need to sign up papers. And he was like, no, you don't, because we're leaving. And I was like, no. And I was like, yeah, we're leaving, you know, we should be leaving on so-and-so date. And then from that day, I stopped eating. Oh, I didn't know what to tell them. I didn't realize I you didn't eat. I just stopped eating and started watching Star Trek. Oh, I didn't realize you stopped eating before we left. 
Okay. So the day that we were leaving, um, it was weird. It was weird because our house was not packed up. Like mm-hmm. our, we didn't take every, we didn't like take our house. We took a, a trailer, which is super American of us, but we took this big horse. It was a horse trailer that was converted into like a U-Haul style trailer. And we packed that so much. It weighed like 3,000 pounds. Our instruments, like, our yeah. Instruments and like a freezer, I think, a and like a couple freezer. other things. Like some survival stuff, I think, and like things that you just would not go without. Um, and so, survival, I say my instruments. So, anyway, um, so we're in there, and so 3,000 pounds of 3,000 pounds in this trailer, and um, and then we have this huge Jeep that's been souped up with like bulletproof tires, and like it's lifted up off the ground, and it's got like all this stuff. And so, um, you know, being teenagers, we weren't like in, in, we didn't even understand what all that was about. So the day we were leaving, like I said, I left. And I figured that if I left, no one would, they would just leave without me. So it was super funny because when I came back, they were still there. <laughs> Everybody waiting in the lawn looking for her, like search party style. Everyone was looking for me for like 24 hours. It sucked. I, not 20, I didn't leave 24 hours, but they, they were looking for me. And I was just like, well, why are you guys here? Oh my God, parents, so pissed, so mad. And um, and so by the time that that ordeal was done, we got into the car, uh, and Naima and I, in our protest, were not speaking. I was in big trouble. Uh, I my mother yeah. has never been so angry at me ever. My dad was like silent, which is the, the yeah, total switch. Yeah, the first time my mom hit somebody in my adult in my life at that point, because she doesn't. Mom never does spanking her like that. That was all dad's job, and that was the first time I saw mom lose her stuff on I you. I mean, it was a total switch. <laughs> it was a total well, switch. Like I said, like last day, that it's really important to say that this child, you guys, realize we're all sitting in the front. Like we have this place in back, it's in Eugene. It's like at this house, kind of big open yard, and like the 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 road runs right in front, and you can see from where our house is all the way to where it connects to Roosevelt Road, right? And we had we had been looking for her, so, so she had, we woke up. Well, I kind of knew she was gone. I don't remember why. I was being a jerk, but I remember knowing that you left. I just wasn't gonna say anything to anybody because I wasn't talking or eating or drinking. I was not participating. <laughs> you were in the middle. You were in the middle of your protest. I was in the middle of my protest, and so uh, one of our family friends came to ask, and she did the redial, and we found out uh, Aisha had been in a taxi. So we had basically went and, like, canvassed everywhere they had told us and all this kind of stuff. So in the morning, Dad had kind of made this little announcement, which probably would have worked for Aisha, where he was like, you know, if she doesn't come back by the day, we just have to go. It's just kind of like a, a timing thing or something like that. And so he was upset. We're sitting there. We're, like, sitting on, the, on this picnic table, and... Here comes Aisha, like, walking down the street, looking like a runway model, like, super strong, super confident, just, like, strutting down the street, like, you know, nothing's happening. Which here. is she so just, crazy, like, because I saw, I, I mean, if I, I saw everyone there, I should have built, I should have just bolted, like, I, oh, I should never have just bolted, but. Yeah, but no, she, she just tried to avoid contact, eye contact, as she walked past. Trying to walk right past my mom and into the house did not work out for her. It was so, I mean, we were so, it was so crazy. So anyway, okay. So there I am trying to act like I could be the invisible person and get in. Obviously, I wasn't. I couldn't. Um, So we're on the road. I don't think anyone spoke in the car um, until, like, for a day, at least a day. No, no, no. By the time we got up to Washington, we were talking because we stopped at Washington and saw Ian. That's what broke the ice. I don't remember that at all. Oh, my God. We stopped and had to stop at the Space Needle. We had a messy Sunday at the top of the Space Needle. That wasn't the, that's what I 
get out of the car. How do you not remember that? That was not when we moved to Costa Rica. Okay, you guys, we are digressing. That was. I went to Costa Rica. I okay. I, we have to. We're gonna have to pull in the parents eventually because this is like that is not okay. <laughs> we are really not gonna debate. We are not gonna debate that. That is like okay. That is that's an asterisk. I have to ask mom and dad if they remember. <laughs> asterisk. I guarantee that. it. The next that's why we went up and then we went over to St. Louis and then we went down through Oklahoma and Texas, like uh, Arkansas. We went through Texas, Arkansas. That was the first one I saw that crazy city or the name of that city. And we went down through Texas to Houston. No, girl, because how in the world... That doesn't make any sense. Because how in the world... Okay, we're digressing, y'all. Let, let me say, we, uh, the first big incident in the road trip... Was in Burley, Idaho. Was in Burley, Idaho. And so we're driving along, and uh, at this point, that car is still, like, uncomfortable in the car. So we're going down... And we have, like, driving. Kind of big open beds, you know, in the back where you don't have a seat, like an old station wagon style. Yeah, it's a big old Wagoneer type of car. So we're we're going down and it the the uh, all of a sudden like what we like noticed that the car was kind of like like ticking making a wobble feeling yeah kind of a wobbly like feeling to, to it I think we may have mentioned it or not even mentioned it to dad and it was like no big deal like okay don't worry about it, blah blah all of a sudden the car just drops and like the back we're in the back seat the back seat the whole car literally just dropped to the ground. And, then, and it's like dropping like eight, ten inches because of how high it was raised. Yes. So we're like, like literally just, like, you know, clunk onto the ground kind of thing. And we're driving down the freeway in Idaho. So we're going like at least 70. We're probably going about 70-ish. Dad's always speeding. We got a big old trailer in the back. Um, and so all of a sudden the car, oh, sorry. So at that point, we're like, oh, great. We get to go home. <laughs> in our family like it's uh, like i used to saying yesterday they're like angels she could probably explain better than me but um we have these helpers in our lives that's been there our entire lives no matter what you know my mom and my dad and everything else that when we're doing certain things with a sincere i think it's with sincere intention a lot of times when we get into a sticky place or something that's not quite you know something's gonna mess up these people show up out of nowhere and they always just show up help us out disappear and so like that was at Burley, Idaho was the very first one because like when the car, when we were driving down the road and the car dropped, what had happened was the tire itself, the axle had sheared on the back side of the tire, on the back of the truck, the back axle, because the way the trailer was too heavy, and put, a couple of things, but the back axle sheared, <clears throat> causing the tire to jam into the body of the car. So when we fell down, like when the tire sheared um, and the car like started to go into this accident, it didn't the car's body never touched the ground. It was just that, because the, the, the tire was jammed into the body of the car, it stopped it from actually hitting the cement. And so um, the friction of that, however, because you're going so fast, the tire stopped, slams into the body, caught fire. And so when it caught fire, the smoke was coming up, and like within seconds, somebody came right up behind us, the guy jumped out, and I remember it was like tall, lengthy dude, hippie kind of guy, and he like had a, a a sports bottle. He went and he threw sports bottle water on our on our tire and it put it out. I remember that. And he's like, oh gosh, we just were driving along and saw you guys were on fire and so we decided to stop, you know, like, you know, good Samaritan guy. And he was, that was it. He gave, I think he gave us like a bottle of water and it disappeared. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so I, I remember, yeah, so that, that was the very, it was really crazy. It was like kind of within minutes in a way. Like we weren't even out there long. Um, and 
so, got out the car yet. Yeah, right. And so there, the, the axle's broken. So we go along. We're, we haven't even got to out of the country yet. We're like still in, we're in Idaho from Oregon. Idaho, not far, right? So um, so the axle already broke. Um, we get the axle fixed, and now we're headed to Texas. Uh, and everything was okay after that in the States. Everything was fine. You know, um, saw our sister before we left. And then, yeah, that's why I first broke my my fast, like actually broke my fast, but it was on the fly. Nobody knew. <laughs> right, you were sneaking through at that point. You were like, yeah, okay. It's very easy to go get a burger and nobody knows. Okay. So it, it was very much like um, the protest was, was you know, uh, it was waiting. It was taking too long. It had been two weeks. Okay. <laughs> so, so, like. so, no, it was not two weeks, but yeah, it was like four days, but it felt like forever. Um, so, okay, so now we're hitting Houston. Now, you have to remember, we're going through Central America, so, and the only person who speaks Spanish, kind of, is me. And I'm... Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, it's, I took all of middle school Spanish, 6th, 7th, and 8th. However, I'm a ninth grader. It's middle school Spanish. I can speak in present tense and kind of past tense a little bit. <laughs> so... So I so we're going through we're going through Brownsville uh, through Texas to hit over to, to Mexico and we hit our first aduanas, and like I think I was saying yesterday that I didn't even realize or know that aduanas is the same thing as customs. Aduanas is the is the name for customs. I thought aduanas was something that I didn't even realize we were going through customs each time it was aduanas. So anyway, so we went through um, aduanas in Mexico. Uh, it was like our mom and dad had. Like those dictionaries, <laughs> the Spanish English dictionaries, and you're like at the at the aduanas, like okay, hold on, I know that word, um, you know, k, so it was like it was really bad, right? And we were trying to figure out how to have these conversations as we were going through each border through each country, and I was trying to translate in between. So you could imagine, we have a three thousand pound trailer with all the stuff stuffed in it, so we were at each customs for hours. For hours. Yeah. 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 Days, actually. We, we were at Mexican for a couple, at Mexico border for, I think, at least minimum of two days. Because, like... I think we stayed a couple of different borders at a couple of different days. So I we, don't think we, we didn't... I don't, I don't remember spending the night any other borders. I, I think... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we only spent the night at the Mexican border, and it was because of, it was, like, a mixture of things. Like, like I said, one thing was they wanted... When you went into Mexico, I remember they needed you to tell them where you were going because the idea the problem with the borders was we had with this trailer we had it had a value to it it had like you know things they felt we could we could come into the country sell and then go back to the united states and at the time i guess they were trying it seems like that's normal but they didn't want us to do that and so um when we first came across the mexican border um all the borders actually sydney our dog was also an issue because you know it's my dog yeah yeah, having a livestock going across these borders was like a continuous thing and so when we got to mexico um, we're not sure, like, what, but Sydney had worms, is what I remember, and I remember, like, so when we got there, she ended up with these stupid worms, and, um, so we had to get her treated one more time, and that's when, like, me and Aisha were there, we got stuck at this, kind of, I just remember it being a dark, kind of dingy hotel, like, it was just dark, I just remember everything in it was dark, everything in it was dingy, and it was, like, on the border, but you could have been my bias, too, but like, it was, like, on the border of Mexico, and, like, uh, she kept, like, sliding her butt across the ground. So I remember they were like, she can't come until she takes this worm medicine. We have to guarantee she took the medicine, stuff like that. And then they were like, on top of that, they are like, hey, um, you need to join a convoy. 
and mom and dad didn't want to join a convoy. Like there's so so back then there was still all through Central America a lot of like warfare going on, like guerrilla warfare, silent warfare, just little faction issues, um, things like that. And so when we first got to Mexico, they were <clears throat> encouraging us. Like once we got through Aduanas, so like the first day we stayed in that side in Brands- Brownsville, um, we got. Uh, the dog situated, and then we got across the border. That's when we were in that really colorful city, and we stayed in Mexico. So, like, but, but um, and that day was when they were like, you need to join a convoy. And so, like, what they would do is, like, there'd be other Americans that had this thing, we're going to drive to Mexico, we're going to Chiapas, we're going to wherever, and, um, and um, basically they would pair you with these people, and you guys are supposed to stay together, kind of like safety and numbers idea, and travel through the country. And I remember feeling... Oh, you know we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not doing like, that. No, we're not joining a convoy. We're not doing this. We're doing it on our own thing, you know? And so he was like... So that made it so we spent the night again, and that's when we got to stay in the sex hotel. <laughs> that's why we were there. <laughs> At the sex hotel? But the sex hotel was after Macombo. No, it wasn't. It was in Mexico, right when we got into Mexico. Okay, again, another asterisk. We're going to have to time that out because I... Okay, we've already talked about this thing twice now. It was right after we got into Mexico. We, we talked about it and we had a different timeline every time. So, okay. So, this, so it's kind of funny because it's hard to, it's hard to connect it all because we were like, we were like going through and we didn't really actually know the names of any of these places and we're and we're like again 15 and 14 we don't speak spanish but i speak a little bit and we're we're so we're like you know kind of just going through these motions and kind of putting this together so and it's also been you know like 27 years so we will asterisk that one but i do we want to talk about that hotel and the uh, the, the sex hotel that's how we remember it <laughs> and the um uh, and the macambo so okay so let's let's digress because the sex hotel sounds super bad the di- the sex hotel was um, we we didn't know what it was, and so when I when we got in, mom and dad had a different room, and we had our room, but the room had a heart shaped bed, <laughs> red velvety walls, <laughs> red velvet walls, right? A mirror on the side, a mirror on top of the wall. It was bad, and we on tried the to ceiling, yeah. on the ceiling, and we tried to watch TV, and it was like all porn. All of it. So, um, so we were freaked out. We were freaked out. So we were we stayed there. That was super funny. And then, um, so okay. So when we finally hit Veracruz, uh, we didn't go with the convoy because that's not how my mom or dad rolls. So we were going. We were on our own with the trailer and the dog. So we're hit. We're going down. So we um, Veracruz. So we figured out yesterday. We that the whole bubble So before that was. Uh, no, it wasn't. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It was. It was, it was, actually, it's true, no, we hit the potholes, and we hit the, the ending of the road, and then we hit, uh, I think that was before Bear, because I'm pretty sure. No, it wasn't, it was way, oh my god. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> it was not okay, before Bear, right, right. Okay, no, things were smooth for a second, you're right. I need you to go ahead and for a second. Drink, we didn't have any disasters. Sip on your coffee, on. sip on your coffee, okay, <laughs> I need you to hold on. So it was, okay, so we were in Veracruz. And uh, Veracruz was super cool. We actually got out of the car. We got to uh, we got to um, uh, explore. Right, we got to explore the uh, explore the um, the city. Remember that was the first time we saw shrimp like cooked in lime juice. Um, that's when mom got the parent went over mom's head and pooped on her head. It was awful. Um, we. It's good luck though. It's good luck. I, we needed it for everything that we were about to go through. Um, and so we, so when we first arrived at Veracruz, in Veracruz, this is what, what, what made us have to stay in Veracruz longer than we anticipated, um, was we actually were, uh, were driving, it was early in the morning, 
and we, or late at night. It was dark, and I was asleep, and uh, Naima was asleep. And so all, we're driving, and all I was asleep. We weren't asleep. I was. Girl, I'm going to tell you about yourself. I was asleep because I, I, because I was asleep because when I woke, when I woke up, when I woke up, I did not. Dad had gone the wrong direction, and I had to tell him that we were going the wrong direction because I did not see where we were at. So I could not tell him what the signs meant in Spanish because oh, I was not awake. Oh, we started watching. Okay. Yeah. So I was when when the trailer. Okay, you guys. So the trailer on our car. Bumped, is, I think is what woke us up. Is thirty three thousand pounds, and so when we all of a sudden we're driving. Dad is driving around this this um this roundabout, and the trailer basically just it. it it just collapsed. Like, it collapsed so, and hits the ground hard. Yeah. Sparks Dude, are flying everywhere. Like, when, by time, when the, when the trailer hit the ground, I woke up, and sparks were flying everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. See, how I remember that, how I remember that, if you recall, <laughs> how I remember it from my own personal experience, um, is that, <laughs> was that, I, I do remember you saying, yesterday, we, I think we were asleep, and we got bumped awake. And I, I remember it was dark outside, and we were looking, and there was, like, beautiful white, um, the sidewalks were, like, really well done. So, like, super clean, white, as if the area hadn't been used yet. It had a really cool fountain in the middle of the roundabout. Mm-hmm. And we were going in a circle, but as Dad was turning, he was turning too sharply. And so, if anybody who's driven a car or a trailer behind you knows, like, it kind of cuts in. And so, what was happening, like, every time you turn this corner, he would hit the curb, and it would, like, rock the entire uh trailer it wasn't rocking the car it was just rocking the trailer like anytime you hit the tire on the car the... and so from my recollection i remember i used to did wake up and she was like looking at the sign it's like we're going the wrong direction so, like he was basically making circles on the wrong direction of a roundabout and so like um love it dad a little bit stubborn at the time and also you know that the whole probably sick of us and i'm sure there's a lot of other stuff going on <laughs> but he wasn't really trying to hear what we were saying and so like we were like hey that we're hitting the curb, Dad, we're hitting the curb. And he was like, no, we're good, we're good. And then I used to, like, we're going the wrong direction. You need to turn around. We need to go the other way. And so Dad was trying, I think he was trying to do it because we were kind of now at this point coming around the, uh, the roundabout, but we were now blocking, like, two lanes, getting ready to make, I'm pretty sure, like, a turn to get us going the right direction. But as he's turning, and at this point we're all a little salty because Dad, like, kind of hollered at us a little bit. And we're like, you're hitting the curb. You're hitting the curb. Like, every time he hit it, he hit the curb. And, like, we were watching this thing do this. And then, bam, he hits the curb one more time, and the wheel rolls away. Like, I remember the biggest memory of that whole thing in Veracruz is sitting there, seeing that overpass, looking at that fountain, and watching the wheel of our trailer roll down the road. And it was like, there was nobody out there. It was nighttime. It had to have been nighttime because there was nobody on the road. It was like completely deserted and so like that the tire rolls away the trailer hits the ground and like like i said there was sparks and everything like that but then we get out the truck and we're looking at this and we are blocking the road like we're blocking the entire um roundabout intersection like there's maybe somewhere somebody could drive around the front of our car but you gotta realize this is like a grand jeep grand wagoneer which is not a small truck and then a full horse trailer uh size trailer on the back so the length of this thing is like we're long you know and so we're blocking this whole thing and so, middle of the night, going the wrong way on the road, um, tourists, you know, from Garacruz in a brand new area that just, like, redid the, the roads and stuff like that, and we needed to get the dang trailer out of there. So, like, Dad puts the car in a low gear, like, low, low gears, you can get it, you know, and drags the trailer through the cement with one tire on it 
all the way to the side of the car, so like to the side of the road. So letting you know like how strong this truck was, you know, because this truck's three thousand pounds, one wheel, metal deep embedded into the into the road. Like I, I, I would put money that there's still so in line there unless the, they repaved it. There is so the trailer basically. So you understand what she's saying? It's like the trailer cracked down, and the the whole the the bottom of the trailer made this groove, like a, probably about an inch deep in this brand new road in Mexico. And my dad, because we were the wrong direction, we had to move the car out of the way. So we, so, he, so he, just, he just dragged this trailer so that we could get out of the way of the traffic that would be coming or was were starting to come. So at this, point, morning, yeah. at this point, we had to make, uh, so people obviously coming out to help us. <laughs> To help, and at this point we have to move the car and the trailer, pick the trailer up and, and uh, off, so it's not making these grooves in the in the road, and move it to the mechanic. Now it's funny yeah, because mom is, on, mom is online. Mom is online, and she says she will she will uh, clarify details if we need it. And I, and what's really funny, mom, is you're listening to this because Naima goes into detail, 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 and we don't. I don't go into that much detail, but <clears throat> but um, it's funny because. Her, my mom's perspective while she's here watching it is as an adult and who was actually doing things. And this is like a terrified teenager's experience in the backseat of this car. <laughs> and, you know, and then she, and then, you know, my sister is like, she really, Naima is like really into understanding what's happening um, as it's going to help her anxiety. And me, I, I, if to help my anxiety, I just like basically go, let's pray, 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 pray. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. So, so, uh, so anyway, it's kind of funny. So at this point, we we get the car. But we uh, have our agent. You can't forget Michael, though. See, that's very important to me. That's like really important to me. It was part of the thing that kind of changed yeah, me. Yeah, this is when the person, the, when the person came. Uh, his name was Michael. It was again another angel that that we had explained earlier in the show. How these people we don't know, we have no connection to, we have no. Uh, connection after they just kind of show up at the scene on the on the help and like in keep, enormous keep ways on. and then just leave. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So this person did that exact same thing. Um, so he go ahead, Naim. You want to talk? You want to talk? Tell sorry. us. Yeah, sorry, my apologies. So, no. So like to me, it was just amazing because in in this situation, there's a few things in this trip that like were eye opening for me, like spiritually eye opening and just you know physically eye opening and, and attitudinally eye opening, and like. You know, one was like, we're, we're in the middle of the night. I'm irritated with that, you know, because I'm thinking I have the right to be irritated with my parents. And like, I'm sitting there being irritated that he's not listening. The thing breaks, and then he drags it. There's all these sparks, and then all of a sudden, Michael, this guy pulls up in an in a orange rabbit, you know, back in the day, VW rabbit. Jumps out. His name's Michael. Slim guy, brown curly hair. You guys need help? You know, what do you guys need? You know, oh, I saw what happened, you know, and he just starts, you know, like, as if he's, like, a, a concerned brother, somebody he's, like, known us my whole life, and he just wants to make sure we're good, and so, like, it gets me, my mom, Aisha gets us in the car, cranks the AC, because it's Veracruz, and it's warm, it's not that warm, but he, like, cranks it down to, like, 30 degrees, and then, as we're going, you know, he speaks English, he doesn't speak it well, but he happens to speak English, and... Um, at the time, like, the, 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 there wasn't a lot of places for us to stay. So he goes and he gets to the hotel room at this place called the Macombo. And I don't know if that's the full name of the place, but that's what I remember from the name. So it was uh, the Macombo. So he goes and he gets us his room in Macombo, happens to find, like, one of the last rooms. We end up staying, like, in a, in a helper's quarters type thing. 
pays for it. After so we want something to eat, I think I'm not sure if he got us food. I can't remember. But then he was like, "Oh yeah, we, you know, do you need any money? Do you need anything like that?" And then he just disappeared, like literally disappeared. Like he, it was like I just in my mind at that time, I was like, he just, you know, out of nowhere comes, gives a ride, doesn't know us, complete stranger, pays for our hotel room, you know, offering to get us food. Super wanted, like, it was like having a concierge, like, you make sure this, you know, and then just gone, just never hear from again, didn't leave us his phone up, just gone, you know, and, and so that was like our second angel came through, but that's how we got to this place called the Hotel Macombo, which is like this, I don't know if it's still there in Veracruz, it's a very nice, kind of luxurious hotel, and we were able to stay in like a side room, but we, we, you know, we had access, it was another place that had a two-level pool and stuff like that, and like, had like a two-level pool that went down to the beach. Like, it's like, to go into this accident for me, like, we go, we're going to Mexico, we're going through stuff, we're having a hard time in my mind. You know, the, the, the axle breaks, we're over here, we're in the destitute area, and then to have this guy be like, hey, you know, this stuff happened to you, but don't stay in this luxury hotel for the next three days. You know, it's like, hang out with, you know, with these places that you probably never had thought was existed, you know, like, was one of those first times for me, like, like you can do whatever, you know, your mind puts to it. So for me, that was a huge, a huge lesson. So yeah, mom, uh, if you guys want to hear more about it, uh, more, well, my mother just, um, is on this Facebook live feed and just put down pretty much the same thing, uh, that he, that we were saying about, and his name was Michael is how, uh, we remember it. So, um, so now we're at the Macombo and we're there and, um, we been there for a few days. Yeah. And so I, we decide, um, now remember my parents are not the same kind of parents that we have today. Like they're not tracking us. There's, they're not helicopter parents. They're, <laughs> we were, we were open to explore within reason. Uh, and so we're, we're trust acting like a couple of I'll, I'll like I don't that. know about that. If they trusted our judgment, I don't know about all that. Mom, you can, you can, uh, you can save. I don't know. I feel like they were like, you know, what happened to happen. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, so we went and, um, mom gave us 90,000 pesos. We decided that we, we decided that we were going to go get something to eat. And the, when we decided we were going to go get something to eat, I'm pretty sure what my mother had in mind was something reasonable, like, you know, a burger, right? And so we're walking close by, um, and we, I remember when we came through that we saw a, a, a restaurant that said, it said uh, shrimp, seafood, shrimp, seafood and steak, or, or a shrimp and steak, or steak and seafood, something like that. I, I remember it. And I think I remember it because it was in English. I'm not, I don't yes. really remember. I think that's it why I remember it. It sounded like something we recognized. Right. So I, I remember it was on the side of the building. And so we decided we were going to go and um, we were going to go and have lunch. And so we, mother gave us enough money to do a reasonable lunch, which was like 90,000 pesos. Now we don't understand the dollar to peso ratio or how this works. We don't understand the, that pesos, 90,000 pesos is not a lot of pesos, right? But we're thinking we got 90,000 of them. So that must be just fine, right? So we take our, our silly butts on over to this restaurant. We walk into the restaurant, and the first thing about this restaurant is the guy at the front door is in a suit. I mean, like, he is dressed to the T. I didn't even notice that. I, I noticed the stupid aquarium. He is dressed down to the T's. Like, I mean, like, he looks very nice, right? And the restaurant <laughs> is very nice. So we walk in, and there's a, there's a wall of fish aquarium. Like, you know. So there should have been some indication <laughs> to us <laughs> that we 
could not afford this this restaurant, right? Um, and That's funny because I played mental gymnastics to make it okay. Like I told you yesterday, I knew I had an inkling when we walked in that it was an expensive restaurant. Like I don't know, it wasn't like it was an expensive. I just had a feeling that we were going to have a problem. Like I don't know how to explain it, but back then I was so I was self conscious, and a lot of times I would just do whatever Aisha was doing, and like so I was like, if she's going to do it and she did it confidently, then I'm like, okay, I'm good, I'm doing. And so I remember we got there, we saw the seafood. I did not notice the guy was dressed up like that. Like, I did not notice that he was dressed like, like, dressed up. Like, I don't remember the dude at all, to be honest. Like, Everyone in the place I, was, like, older people that were, that were vacationing. And there, there was, the, on the wall, there was this aquarium of fish. I mean, we were, the, the whole restaurant was overlooking the ocean. Like, you know, we, we were, yeah, like, out of, our league, <laughs> out of our league. Out of our league. For, you know, 14 and 15-year-olds with 90,000 pesos. Okay, we were out early. Yeah, and then I thought, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. They had, like, if you could imagine, like, if you're on a Ratatouille and how they were, like, bringing out all these ridiculous, like, avant-garde food, that's what was happening. Like, that's what was happening at this restaurant. Right, right. And we, and we decided to sit down and have some food, right? Like, as if, this, but, you know, since we're here, we might as well just do this. So we're I'm going to count the pennies. I'm going to count the pesos. I'm smart. You see, I'm 15, 14. I know what I'm doing. Okay, so I was like... <laughs> We got 90,000 pesos, so what we'll do is we'll buy 90,000 in food, is what I do. Like, we're just going to buy exactly 90,000 in food and be careful. So, like, you and I can share a platter if we have to or whatever, but we're just going to keep within our 90,000, you know? And while we're sitting here trying to decide what we're going to eat, we were ordering drinks. Like, we, we got a drink. Like, oh, yeah, let me, let me have a tea, you know, and not thinking, being 14. And so, like, they put the tea down. And we're, like, looking at the menu, trying to figure it out. Like, we're taking a really long time because we're trying to figure out what we can eat here, you know, with the amount of money that we we're, have. We're counting dollars, okay? We're yeah, counting dollars. I don't eat seafood, and I, I, at that time, I didn't eat anything that's wrong in the sea. And Aisha loves shrimp, so, like, we kind of have this, like, impasse of what are we actually going to spend our money on. And then the waiter shows up, and we're really nice guy. I remember him talking. I still remember his face. I'm, like, a horrible person with people. Um... But he comes up, and he's, like, talking to us, asking some questions about where we're from, and he spoke English, which always, like, automatically drops your guard when you're in, this, in, in those situations where you can't understand anybody, and then all of a sudden somebody, you can understand them, you know? And so, like, he was talking to us, and, and uh, he was, like, out of kindness, went and, and, and offered us this seafood platter. Like, he was, oh, it's all in the house. And he comes, and he puts this platter in the middle of our table, and it's huge. And it has everything that could possibly be in the ocean on the platter. Like, it had octopuses, turtle turtle feet, turtle eggs. It had shrimp with the head on. It had, like, if you, anything you could imagine was on this platter. I don't eat seafood. I used to eat seafood that doesn't look like seafood. <laughs> I was like taken aback. I was taken aback by the... Um, so this is when we also have a digression because I think we ate some of it and you think we didn't eat any of it. But I... Because I no, remember tried, trying tried. the octopus... There was, there was, uh, I think he like was insisting that I try the octopus, uh, and it was like I was 15 and not, you know, willing or wanting to, but I remember like I ate it. And so I, and I, I can, and I also remember being taken back because the shrimp, I thought I was just going to get like shrimp, like American style shrimp, but the shrimp had everything on it still, like the legs, the head, the <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what do I do with the shrimp? Like I did not know. It was so funny. So we we were sitting there like, what do we do? And I think at some point we he understood that we were like kind of taken back by this, and he took the plate away. So uh, and we and it was okay. We were like okay, but then the the bill had to come, and we at this point we're like, we can't pay for all of this. What are we gonna do? 
We're kind of panicking. Because we, because we forgot about the drinks we had ordered. We didn't have enough money to pay. We did not have enough money to pay. So, um, so we asked for a phone to call our parents. Um, the guy brings out a phone on a platter with a napkin, like, here's the phone. So I'm like, oh, man, like, this is so bad. And now we have to, like, tell our parents that we, are, like, went to this restaurant. And not only did we, um, not only did we uh, like, not know where we were going and uh, ordered a bunch of food and uh, we don't have enough money. And so we need to be rescued. So at this point, um, we, we can't, call, get, a hold of mom, we can't get a hold of the parents at all. And... Uh, the hotel, like this hotel in Veracruz, saves us. They pay the bill and take us on over <laughs> and pick us up, yeah, get a car, and, and pick us up and take us back to the hotel. So this is like Adventure 101 for us in Mexico, right? And so at this point, we're like, we're like, oh god, we, we don't know what the hell's going on. Like, we this is this is insane. So as, as, right, as the time goes through this this trip, we're just getting more and more humble, more and more humble, more and more humble. So, uh, so now it's time to leave uh, Veracruz, and we're headed down. Um, and I think what as pretty much, I mean, I think it was was we all kind of, and me and our parents too, kind of like settled into this trip. And how uh, things were getting a little, uh, a little real, and we were in now in a totally different element. We were no longer in a different mindset. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't it this was, happy go lucky trip anymore. It was like we were also almost out of money, if I recall. Well, I mean that's a detail for mom and dad, but like for us, it was like we were we were oh, in, a, in another <laughs> in another space. Like that, we we are now not in America anymore. We are now not in a in a. Uh, in a consciousness that we could recognize and now we got a deal right and so and it wasn't like in a negative way because now we've like gone through this kind of like okay smack smack get yourself together now you're doing this let's do it right type of thing so it was it was um it was good so after we left mexico and we're going down through we were talking it about this mexico last night. When we had that it was in mexico when we hit the pot so there's a couple things that we were talking about i really think it's funny because like I, I feel like it was important little things but you know, when you're on these kind of trips, sometimes you have to make these kind of adjustments and these things that, like, for me, this trip just changed me. And, like, it was just little things that stood out. And you would be surprised, like, what the subconscious or the conscious actually is paying attention to. And, like, Aisha is pointing out to me, which is funny, since we've been talking about this the last couple of days, of how much I was so worried about everything. Like, I don't have any memories of this trip where I was not trying to figure out what was going on. Like, I was, like, always trying to figure out what the next step is. How are we going to do this? Oh, God, like, all these scenarios going through my mind of what was about to go wrong, you know? And so when we were in Mexico and we were going and, like, the first accident we had. No, I guess that was our third accident. Woo! Okay. <laughs> the third accident we had. That, that was the one. Like, so we, we were driving. So let, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me get my thoughts together. So... When we were going down to Costa Rica, you have to, we were driving on something called the Pan-American Highway. And at the time in 1992, the Pan-American Highway was not complete. It was pretty much complete. I think it was like three quarters complete, but it was not done. And this, this, this highway goes all the way through Central America. So that was the highway we were following on the way down. So at certain points, because I'm sure it's like local governments, whatever, at the time we didn't know that. We're driving, we're driving along, the road looks great. And we, like, right in front of us is this bridge, you see all these cars parked, like, kind of on the side of the road, and there's this, there's this brown uh, station wagon that looks partially submersed in the ground, you know, but it's hard to kind of really understand what's going on until you go up to it, and, like, it was in this pothole that was, like, three, four feet, like, 
big old pothole in the middle of the road because, like, you know, it's Mexico. There's potholes. So we're driving and we're going along, and I don't know if Dad didn't see the pothole in front of us or how that happened. I really don't know. I just remember we were like, see all these cars inside. We're talking crap about the fact that he hit this pothole and, like, you're talking all this shit. Oh, excuse me. all this stuff. And all of a sudden, bam, we hit a pothole. And we hit this pothole, and the car just loses control. Like, the trailer starts jacking to the left, and, like, it swings, and it's swinging back and forth. And, like, the weight of the trailer, like, as it swings to the left, it's yanking the butt of the car to the left. You know, and, like, me and Aisha are, like, in the back. So you actually, at least I actually felt it. Like, to me, I was scared. And, like, it was going back and forth. And we had this device on the trailer called a sway bar. And if you ever have a trailer, I recommend on a road trip, get a sway bar. So we had this sway bar on there, and it basically stopped the trailer from flipping over. And so by stopping it from flipping over, stopped the car from rolling. But it was literally that level of force. So, like, we hit this pothole, the car, like, loses the control. You know, Dad doesn't stop driving. I'm like, <laughs> he didn't stop. He just turned the music off. <laughs> so, we're just, so we're still driving. Everybody's like, damn, we just went through this. We're just going to keep going. So we're still in Mexico, we're about, you know, we're heading through Mexico, we get to this certain point where the Panamanian Highway got nice, like it was nice, like it looked like an American freeway, it was like super, super smooth, it was, you know, well and well done, and, and it was going for a decent stretch, and I believe we were asleep, I'm not 100% sure if I was asleep, or about to be asleep, so it was nighttime again. And we're riding, driving, dad's cruising. And at this point, because the road is so smooth, he's speeding. So, like, we're going 60 miles an hour minimum, you know, and we're just cruising, got this thing, jamming, jazz going, everything's, you know, having a good vibe. And the road ends. Like, like when I say the road ends, the construction of the road stops. No signs, no warning, no, no, you know, abrupt edge. And then the road drops about four feet to gravel because, you know, when you build a road, you know, above. So we jettisoned off the end of this road because we're going super fast. Dad didn't see the road in. There was no way for him to see it coming. Just shoot. There was no signs. There was no indication that it would end. And we're taking a big old, this Jeep and the the, uh, trailer. Trailer. That's 3,000 pounds. And we are airborne off of the end of the <laughs> end of the freeway <laughs> onto gravel that's like literally about four four feet. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's four feet, but it's a, a, a giant it's a drop, drop uh, off the where uh, where the the normal freeway was, and the car just hits the ground hard. Heads hit the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, we it was it was super bad. It was so bad. Um, and at that point, I think it was, I don't know that the car, I think the engine started to sound funny or something like that. And it that, started overheating. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we had to stop and this dude, <laughs> oh my God, the mechan- the guy was like, how, because the, the hose was broken. That it had broken it was the like hose. A, a, the thermostat, I believe the yeah. thermostat went out. And so and we had, the they hose. had to yeah. fix it, they had to fix it with. Um, what bubble was it? Bubble gum and a paperclip paper is what Naima remembers it as. Mom, you can <laughs> verify that. Um, bubble gum and a paperclip is what held the damn. <laughs> <laughs> Till we got to the next mechanic. Till we got to the next mechanic. So um, uh, that that's hilarious to me because that. My pa- our parents were like, we're going to Costa Rica. So um, at this point, <laughs> the next thing that I really remember, and I don't remember, because um, I at the same time, I feel like uh, when we woke, I woke up 
no, because I'm thinking about the motor mounts when the motor mounts broke. Um, and that I, was all the same time. Yeah, I'm thinking. Think yeah, I'm thinking that's when. And we woke up, and I, it was a. I woke up in the morning, well, in the car, and I remember looking out the window and seeing just this big fur, like a, like the whole window was covered, not covered, but it was like I was looking into a wall of the side of an animal, right? And <laughs> you got to realize that the car is is like a regular Jeep, a big Jeep, but jacked up some inches off the ground on these big old tires, plus it was lifted. So we, we so this, so if I'm looking to the side, I'm in the window and I'm looking to the side and all I see is an animal, you realize how big that animal would have to be, right? <laughs> so, so I, I don't know what's going on. I, I put my head just slightly down to see the ground and I just see dirt and chickens running around and I look up and I just see these huge horns. Like... Your brain would not accept what you were seeing. It was, they were so big. They were so big. What was it? It was, um. It was oxen. Right. It was oxen. It, it was a thick, but the horns were like, I can't even, un, like, describe the. They were like, wider like, than the car. Like, like, yes. Like, I mean, the diameter around, they were huge. And I was just like, oh my God. I've never seen anything like that. That was insane to me. Uh, yeah, I never imagined the oxen was the, the damn near size of a small bus. Like, it was short. It was it was ridiculous. So, um, but but it was it was cool. So anyway, we uh, took care of business there, and now we're down on our trip. I think we talked about this yesterday where we were um, moving along, and the the most of the trip at this point was now okay when it came to the mechanics of the car, going through the horrible um, uh, uh, roads and all that kind of stuff. Most of it. Oh, mama says. Mom says. It was actually about a 10-foot drop, and the car was still running, limp to the next mechanic. Oh, my gosh, 10 feet? So that makes sense to why we would have, uh, why we would Broken have. Broken uh, motor mounts, and we had yeah, messed but, up the thermostat. And... So, yeah, so, so we limped to the next mechanic is what mom says. Okay, so now we're going through um, these, we're down in, we're like mid-Central America, Close to the Costa Rica, close to Nicaragua. We're going down Guatemala. Where does the border? Where does the Mexico still is? We ain't hit no other country. No, we, I'm sk <laughs> I'm skipping us forward to the next oh. country. So, oh, okay. so um, we as we're going, like the next the, the things that stick out to us the uh, as we're going, which was super funny, was uh, it's actually not funny. The part that I'm talking about, I'm skipping over the steaks and the skinny cows, which was hilarious. But um, so we're we had at some point to go through countries that were in war and to go through countries that were um, were in transition from war. So we had to have armed escorts. Now, mom is here to, she can verify, because I said there we was had- no, There was only one armed escort. She, Am I right, mom? Now, I that there was only one armed, I believe that there was more than one, um, but she says one, I say one, so that's an asterisk on that too. So we can have mom clarify whether or not we had multiple armed. I think we had two. Naima thinks we had one. So anyway, I think we, had, we, had, I, we had hosted every country except Mexico, and the Honduran was the one. In the it was a soldier. It wasn't like a normal escort. Everybody else was like a dude, and this guy was in full uniform with a gun. That's that's what I remember. That I yeah, that's what you remember, and I remember that we had. I thought that we had two escorts in our car, and both of them had guns. One was really nice. 
and didn't take his gun out. And it was like in his holster. It was a smaller gun. Uh, and the other dude was a total asshole and had a big gun and was holding the gun in the car, like very willy nilly. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so she, he said, so, okay, so mom says we had escorts through Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua. And so did, did uh, mom, you can clarify whether or not all of them had guns or just one. I remember at least two had guns. Uh, one guy was in the front seat of our car and he was asleep and the gun was pointing back at us. And so Naima <laughs> was leaning way to the right and I was leaning way to the left and the gun was pointing between us. And uh, so the whole time this dude was in our car, we were like scared that this gun could go off. It was, it was horrible. Yeah. So, um, but for that one, the good thing was that it was the shortest. He was the shortest escort we had. And like, he was the jerk turn. that went in to test our truck out, if you remember. Like, we, we were following this okay. bus as we're going. And I'm pretty, I thought it was on Honduras. Mom could, uh, maybe Mom, it was on yeah. Salvador. Mom said the but, awful guy was Honduras. Okay, yeah, I thought he was Honduras. Yeah, so like, we were coming through and we were, we were following this bus. That's why I remember. We're, we're right behind this bus. And they're driving, we go, and the road kind of turns to its, its left, and then there's this dirt road to the right. And our escort tells Dak, we have to follow their instruction. We're not allowed to deviate from where they tell us to go. And so he's like, turn here. And so Dad turns the car down the dirt road. And, like, you got to realize that we have the trailer. We have all, this is not ideal for this car. And so we're going, we're driving down this dirt road, and, like, Dad's really irritated with this guy, but it takes, like, an hour or something, like an hour, hour and a half or something like that. But when we get to the other end of the dirt road, the bus that we have been following on the really well-made road passes in front of us. And then we come onto the road. So, like, this guy was, like, I don't know if he was testing the car. Like, now as an adult, I'm looking at it differently. And I'm like, maybe there was too many twists and turns in the, on the, the real road for our car and the trailer or something. And that's why he had us go on the dirt road. But mm -hmm. I just remember, like, Dad being so upset because he felt like the guy was just testing the car out to see, you know, to see if he could... If, you know how we do on this terrain. Right, I talking so much about the car. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, yeah. so mom says, that guy from Honduras, we were considering we might have to do something to him before <laughs> before he did something to us. <laughs> I remember that because that's where I was at. Like, all these details, like, I remember just feeling like I need to be awake and aware of this guy because this guy, I felt like he was, gonna, he was uh, like a national... But like I felt like he might he might rob us and like do something because it, he was such a jerk. So uh, so we were that that Honduras was horrible. We went through there and it was rough. Um, so Except the border was nice. The border was nice. Yeah. So what the another experience that we wanted to share is when I believe we were on the the border of Guatemala and um, that is it's kind yeah. of funny. Uh, we were we were at the border for a long time but i remember this particular aduanas being full of people a lot of people were like uh hustlers uh families people from uh i think it was i'm pretty sure it was guatemala and this is, is what you're talking about are you talking about little michael now the one that the one that helped us get through and then we got we did the, the clothes or yeah 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 so, that was the border of mexico and guatemala mexico and guatemala yeah I
and like they just needed to pay him a little something. But he spoke English pretty good, but he couldn't have been any older than like nine, ten years old, you know. And that was when mom, you know, before we left again, like I said, we were kind of spoiled kids. Like looking back, we were pretty spoiled, pretty privileged. Um, you know, we had a lot more than we needed, but didn't feel like it, you know, like the average American kid. And when before we left, because we were protesting, mom was like, you need to go get all your clothes you don't want to bring, all your clothes you don't wear, all the stuff that you don't like, and you need to put it in, in, in some plastic bags like you're going to Goodwill for Goodwill. And then on the day we left, she told us to put these bags in the trailer. And, um, you know, didn't think about it again, you know. And so when we're at that border, though, um, so we're at that border, and start looking around, you know, I'm still kind of having an attitude, like I said, we were still in this, I don't want to go to Costa Rica mode, you know, by the time we are in Costa, you know, it's getting better, but it's still, I don't want to be there. And so, I'm looking around, I'm so in my own self, that I didn't notice, like, I, I'm noticing it's not a dog, I didn't notice things, like, I have a thing like putting blinders on and just not noticing things that might bother me. And so, um, they weren't clothed properly, like, a lot of people didn't have shoes, a lot of people didn't have socks, a lot of people had toddler shirts when they're like seven years old and they have like one button holding it on or they're wearing a girl's shirt when they're what just just wearing whatever was possible to put on their bodies and so mom tells to go and get this bag out and this is like i said life changing this was the epitome life change for me um and you know we go and we open this bag up and i try because me and michael have been talking and stuff and i try to get michael a shirt so he wouldn't be wearing like it looked like his three year old brother's shirt or something you know and so I went and I gave him the shirt, and then as soon as I did that, we just got mobbed. Like, all these people come over to the side of the trailer and just start going through the bags, like, but for them, it was like Christmas. Like, they were just, like, grabbing it, getting all this stuff, and, like, so happy and so appreciative of all these clothes that we were like, this is trash. I, you know, because we had thrown a fit about, I had thrown a fit, I can't talk about Aisha, but I threw a fit about mom asking me to collect those clothes at home, you know, and, um, you know, like, they were trash. So when these people went, and they were so gracious, they were so happy, they were so, like, you know, these smiles on their face, they're putting these shirts on, they're finally fitting, and, like, I look up, and I realize that was the first time in my little arrogant moments that I opened my eyes, like, I took my blinders off, and I looked around, and I saw that these people were all poverty-stricken. I didn't notice it. Like, so in my own world, I literally didn't notice it until they started behaving the way they were about the clothes. I look up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, like, because they were so happy, they were so content, there was no anger, there was no angst, there was just... They were poor, you know, and for me, it was life-changing. And, like, I, you know, everybody has their moment, but for me, that was the moment that changed everything for me. Like, and, and when, as I grew in the years after, I, I, I went back to that moment. Like, whenever I started getting high maka-maka, I'd be like, no, let me go think about what, I, what, what happened. You know, think, remember what happened. Remember, there's people out there doing this, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds out there working in order to make sure their family has basic food and you're sitting here complaining about you don't want bongo i mean come on so anyway for me that was that was really important so um we're at that border and the the kids and everyone are there like i said like kind of hustling picking up uh picking up money where they can they're they're hustling meaning that they're, they're trying to get money from folks to help them uh to get through the border you know they're trying to like how can we help you uh, you pay them for what they what they're doing for you at the border and you go through um, I, at the time, there was a fad of, of bracelets, like um, the cloth bracelets that you wear on your arm. And I had like 18 to 22 bracelets on my hand. And I had given them away at the border when we were like kind of hanging out the back of our car. Um, and I'd given, uh, I'd given away the bracelets. And so, uh, um, so at that point, the bracelets uh, 
the kids wanted bracelets. And so I was making bracelets. I had given away my bracelets and then I was making them because I had a bunch of string to make the bracelets as I was going through. I don't even remember how many bracelets I made, but I was pumping bracelets out. Hundreds like, had to have been. It, it was like I was just pumping bracelets out. And it was, and I had so much fun because the kids were yeah. like, they, the kids, the women, the, the men, they would like pick the colors and I would like just sit out there and do it. And it was, it was just so organic and connecting. It was, it was one of the first times I noticed um, these women always out there, they were working with their kids and they had like high heels on and they had their, their dresses and their hair was done if they, when they had the clothes, but they were working. Like they was like dirt, you know? Um, yeah. So it was, they were like in dirt, you know, dr- still looking like to the nines. So anyway, um, I was like, I was uh, super uh, moved by the whole experience. So uh, by the time we were out of that, that Adwanas, we had, um, we had uh, pretty much, I think for me, for myself, I adjusted pretty, I think I adjusted pretty okay to the idea of what we were doing. Like, you know, we were down here. I think we were still going to fight the system. We were still fighting the parental unit um, in terms of like, we just, cause we, I remember when we finally got to the house that we, that we ended up being in in Costa Rica. Um, we, we were still like, okay, whatever we say, we don't like it. So maybe we can go back home. So we were still, we protested for a really long time, but, um, I just remember that incident being, uh, really moving and beautiful to just connecting, uh, to the people and to the kids and everyone there. So by the time we went to Nicaragua, um, we're getting closer to Costa Rica at this point. Um, and I'm sorry, we're over an hour at this point, so I'm trying to figure oh, wow. out whether or not if KEPW wants to end the show at this point, um, that's okay, and I'm not sure. I'll let them decide to do that, and uh, I will keep you can, recording. Are you, sure you can keep going until right before 1230 if you want to when the news starts. Okay, sounds good. Um, so we are, uh, at this point, we're in Nicaragua, and we are, um, <laughs> again, have an escort, but... Nicaragua was compared to the jubilee. The the um, I don't know if we had an escort in Nicaragua. Yeah, we did. Uh, so uh, I mean, mom's already said that we. Uh, so we were sitting here, and the the country coming from where we had just been to where we are now, the country was in uh, actual and active war state, and it was crazy because it felt like we didn't see one person anybody the entire Mm-mm. time that we were in that country. We drove through and there was an active volcano, which we Three. drove at the base of. Um, and so when the volcano would like burp is what they would call it, the car would would shake. Like we could feel the car like rattle. And- Yeah, um, it just had the weirdest feeling in that. And like all the houses were built on the ground. Like they were built into bunkers. So like. When you looked out and you're expecting to see a house on the side of the road, you'd like see these huge country plains, and then you'd see these kind of straw thatched roofs, but they were maybe a foot off the ground. And so, like, what they would do is they would dig their houses into the ground and then put the roof there so that they wouldn't get hit by stray bullets. So, so it, it was it the was, idea of lowering your house so that the you know if there's any warfare going around, the bullets would go over your roof instead of into your house. It was very, very, um, it was like a complete juxtaposed to all the other countries that we had been through. It was, it was insane. And I remember it being like really open, like not a lot of, uh, not a lot of jungle. Like it was very, yeah, it was very open. And, um, and it felt, it felt like you're like in the, in the, 
uh, in the fields, like like country. Like it wasn't like jungly or anything like that. I remember that too. Mm-hmm. By the time yeah. we hit Costa Rica's border, it was super funny because Costa Rica felt like so nice and sweet. And um, uh, when we got there, it was like lunchtime. Yeah, it was lunchtime, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna take a break. We'll get back to you." I remember that, and it was like they take a two-hour lunch, and they and the men who were in the office, like in their in their uh, work clothes were out there playing soccer, you know, throwing their tie over their shoulder, like everybody. And it was, we, they told us like, go ahead and chill and sit under, the, sit, under, sit under the mango tree and like have a mango and like watch the game. Um, yeah, so mom says the war had just stopped in Nicaragua. Okay. And we uh, we didn't have an escort through the country. It was early. I didn't think it so. was, I said it was eerily quiet. Okay, yeah, that's Yeah, it. we didn't have an escort through Nicaragua. I remember that. It was just really, yeah, the whole trip was silent, and you didn't feel like you should make noise. Like, you felt, the energy of the place was so bogging. It was like, we felt, I remember feeling like, we shouldn't be talking. Like, we shouldn't have music on. We need to just be quiet. You know, just be quiet and extra vigilant. It's like the whole feeling through Nicaragua. Yeah, it was really, it was really unnerving. But, um, so, now we've hit Costa Rica, finally, uh, and at this point, it was it was everything. Uh, uh, we had gotten rid of the cello; had gotten stolen in Guatemala. We had we had to trade the viola. We lost the the deep freezer. At that point, was already gone. I think the microwave was the last to go, in, in order to get us through that border. Yeah, and, uh, I think right. We we um, had to. I'm like making sure I'm catching all of mom's messages. Um, we had to have, we had to drop and trade and, and things were stolen along the way and trade things for certain things and, uh, money was low. We were trading, uh, stuff for that. I mean, we, we made it. So we made it to Costa Rica and it was like, I, like we were saying the the thought of the feeling of Costa Rica was just so much so different than, than it was just happiness and yeah. And yeah, it was really, it was like relief and welcome. Like they were so welcome. Yeah. They were so happy that we had, we'd been there and they, and they were, uh, they were just, it seemed, it felt like it was really, really, um, uh, it felt like it was very comfortable. So at that point, um, we, we did talk about last night, how there was adventures as in Costa Rica that we could talk about for hours and hours, things that we did, places we went, how we got through it. And I, and we wanted to invite one of the people that we, um, uh, met and lived with for a little bit. Well, she lived. Our, her family had lived with us. Rachel Nassiman to come on the show and have all three of us talk about the adventures that we did um, going through Costa Rica. By the time we'd made it to Costa Rica, um, I I don't know that my parents had an, an exact plan of what to do once we got there. No, um, our escort, the one, our escort's the one who helped us out. The escort that we took from Costa Rica, the guy with the blue eyes. I can't remember his name. He ended up being a friend of ours after that for years. We were talking to him, and he was kind of asking us what, you know, I remember them talking to him and asking him what their plan was, what the thing is, and and he knew some people in San Jose. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Mom can correct me, he's the one who got us into the bed and breakfast at Pinson de la Cuesta. Yeah, I and, don't think that um, we had an idea of what we were doing once we got there. Like, again, yeah. yet another angel shows up. Um, and the bed and breakfast we got to stay in was so fantastic. It was so good. It was I liked, I mean, as, as a 15-year-old, I remember it being super cool. And we were downtown San Jose, um, and that was the first time. A couple blocks from Plaza La Cotura. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we had, um, that was the first time I had coffee, and the coffee was amazing. So now all coffee tastes like crap because it's not as good as fresh Costa Rican coffee. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was like, it, we got there, and I think um, even at that point, 
like I said, I don't want to go too much into details of, of Costa Rica once we live there because, like, again, that's like another three hours of stuff that we could talk about. But um, we we got to Costa Rica and our parents found the house that we were going. We to. found the house, child. We found it in the newspaper. They in the newspaper. I don't. I remember it being circled and mom saying we're gonna go look at this house. So, however the details, however the details are of how we got that, I don't know. But the the circle of that house, we're gonna go look at this house, and um, two hundred a month for a three so, bedroom, two bath, rustic rustic cabin is what it said. So it was it was uh, one of those things uh, that my parents are still there in Costa Rica. They lived have lived there now, I think, twenty seven years. And like I said, my mom's online here; she can correct me with the years. Um, they they found their spot that we have stories upon stories upon stories. Yeah, she said La Pension de la Cuesta. Yep. So uh, it, it's stories upon stories upon stories of our of um, of how we got to Costa Rica, what it was like at our house. Uh, and Teenage kids running around punching in their grown in Costa Rica. Um, yeah, <laughs> running around having adventures here and there, like, you know, adjusting to a house with no washing machine, we had to wash our clothes and cook on a, uh, a stove. It was it was amazing, actually, like, of course, in retrospect. Um, but anyway, I wanted to have this little story and I wanted to share you with the story of our of our, our adventure to Costa Rica, because it was one of those things where um, it was absolutely life changing. It was absolutely uh, consciousness changing, shifting. And it was a perspective that very few people get to experience. Um, my parents are, are adventurous and wild and they just, they are, are uh, you know, world people at heart and they just, they are open to say, you know what, let's get in the car and drive through all these Central American countries, we'll make it work, we're people to people connections type of thing. And it has always worked for them. They've lived in several different countries and it's always worked for them. And I just wanted to like bring this up because Right now, while we're facing a completely new reality after we're all unquarantined and we have to look at each other as people and we have to look at each other um, at our very bare essential, like I, I wanted to talk about it because I wanted us to, to think about experiences in our lives when we really had no idea what was coming next and we really had no idea how we could connect. We didn't have, no, have any idea of what to say and what to do and it worked out, you know? Um, and e even in ways that we can't, um, imagine in ways that we can't, we didn't know the money. We didn't know the money in any of those countries. We didn't speak the language. We didn't, you know, um, we didn't have uh, capital to back us up. We, we literally had what we had. We had us and our genuine need and care and connection and it worked and it continually works. So I just want to put this story out there because it was kind of funny to me. Um, it was adventurous. It was insane. There were some things that we left out that we talked about last night. Um, some different uh, little adventures on the road trip that, that were, again, harrowing and eye-opening and scary and uh, exciting all at the same time. But in the interest of time, uh, we're going to have to, like, kind of slim it down just a little bit. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the story. Uh, I think we did a good job of, of letting you understand the, how we went through the, this process of... of um, and this adventure. So it, it, like I said, we have tons more and I will definitely have some more people on the show letting us uh, talk about some more adventures that we had in Costa Rica that are kind of of the same, you know, <laughs> of, the sa of the same um, uh, caliber. You know, like I said, we drove, we rode our bikes from San Jose, La Montaña 
to San Jose, the capital, which if you understood it 11 all, kilometers. 11 <laughs> kilometers through the city. Through, but you can't, you, I can't even say that because you say through the city and you're like, oh, no big deal. No, it's a, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal what we drove through. It was ridiculous. And then we're riding recumbents, but, you know, down through, oh, God. We're, you know, and, like, the, the we've skipped over the flood, the flash flood that was, as, as, that we went through. Change our headlights, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was in, as deep. In the bottom of Mexico. That was as deep as, our, as the car uh, was tall. Like, we literally, the, the flood waters were to our, to the uh, headlights. Um, I mean, there was just, you know, we had, we walked through a flash. It would, it would take like two, three hours to be detailed, tell you to, to do the to story. Get like all it would just... of everything in there. It would be really, it'd be a lot. So, um, yeah. So you're welcome, Jane. Thank you for being here. And we, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to, to give some perspective on what's coming. And it, it's like, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through. Yeah. We're going to have some new perspective. Go into it with an open mind without, and it, it sounds funny to people, but without expectation. Yeah. And, and for, for just to say that, a lot of people are like, oh, how can you not have expectation? Expectations is your imagination. You are putting your imagination on scenarios and trying to hope they come out, and then you put this weight on that expectation, and when it doesn't happen, it slams you. So if you can just go into this future, go into have in your mind the picture of what you want to happen, your manifestation of what your future needs to be, but without expectation meaning that i have it out there i want it to be this way but be okay with it not coming out just that way because that allows you to adapt it allows you to be okay with it it doesn't attack you as it emotionally so be careful about during this time of transition and this covid going back to normal not going back to normal that you have strong positive perspectives you really have a really strong goal of what you want to do but let go of the expectation and, I, and it, it'll free you in ways that you can't understand Okay. Um, I want to do that exactly, and I and in addition to that, uh, you know, give yourself some compassion and being um, worried, being afraid, being unsure, and wanting to have control over things that, in truth, we really don't have control over. But just be um, be aware. Okay. So we had a couple questions. So mom says the flood, the flash flood that was to the headlights of our car was in El Salvador. Um, oh. And yes. And so. Uh, that was in El Salvador, and that was insane. And Linda is asking how long was the whole trip, and I believe it was about three weeks, a little more, take more or less three weeks long, and it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, so about three weeks long. Um, and I'm just trying to like go through. We have a few more minutes. Like I want to make sure that I didn't. Um, you address the questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I wanted to like make sure we didn't like leave out any kind of super funny or any kind of really crazy. No, I mean, we did, but we still have time. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of stuff. It was a lot, a lot went on on that trip, y'all. A lot went on in that trip, and um, and just living in a new in a new world. Um, and I think even though we're still here in our in our um, in our houses, when we, when the quarantine's up and we open the door, it is going to be a new world, and we need to be. Um, we need to be open for that. So anyway, uh, thanks Naima for coming on with me and sharing your Absolutely. perspective of the show of the trip. And uh -huh. um, I want to thank everyone for coming on. We had a good amount of people here, and I appreciate that. Uh, every week, I try to think of things that are relevant for the time, and I try to do it, you know, as organically as I can. Um, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Mom said lots of dad's books were damaged in that flood. I, it had, I remember the, that. No, I do remember that. The, the, water had to, the water had to have come in. 
Um, I think I said at the beginning, Linda, the people who were in the car, it was me, Naima, my mom, my dad, and our dog, Sydney. Um, and so it was, just, it was just us in the car, and uh, the car was that Jeep, and then, and then we had the trailer in the back, uh, which was huge. So uh, I would give a couple more seconds here for anyone who had comments or questions. So it was also a, t a time where, um, you know, I think about like if how much it was left to us to to entertain ourselves. Like I can't even imagine taking my children or anything like this with no car, with no phone, no tablets, no entertainment <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> well, we were we were calmer kids back then. I really do. So I remember my whole thing was that got me through it was. I was super into rap back then, and Black Sheep had just came out with that uh, Lots of music. Flavor of the Month album, yeah, yeah. and I, that is the theme song for that whole trip, that the Similac Child, sadly, it's the theme song for the entire trip for me, and so I remember, like, back then, I think a lot of the kids immersed themselves in music, like, instead of getting on a TV, if you, if you wanted to ignore your parents or leave the world, you put on your headphones, on your Walkman, and, or your CD disc player, if you were that good, and just lost. <laughs> You know, leave the world in music. In music. I think yeah, the that's true. That's yeah. true. We did. We had. Yeah. That's true. We were very much into it. That's so funny. Walkman and Disman. Ah! So, um, okay. So that. Uh, so anyway, so that was that. That was then. And um, so thank you guys for listening to us. Thanks for coming in our little um, our little adventure to Costa Rica. Uh, our family is still there. Our mom and dad are still there. And um, I haven't been back in, uh, the last time I was there was in 2016. I do plan on, if this ever goes away, I do plan on going either this year or next year. Um, and, and I actually plan on trying to bring in some, trying to get my own place uh, down there as well. Cause it just feels like Costa Rica is our second home. It's always, it's been in my life, my, all my adult life. Um, so it would be very weird to not have Costa Rica um, be a place that we can all um that we all have a place to be so anyway all right you guys thank you so much for everything naima once again thank, thank you, so you. Much. i don't we don't i don't see any other questions coming through so i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up um please come back next week we will definitely have a show um again and like i said i think of what's happening in the moment and organically come up with things um i do have uh an interview that i did on a podcast called um Oh my God, I just lost my, I just totally uh, forgot. <laughs> Wait a minute, what is it called? Um, what is Ian's podcast called? Ideas. Yeah, the idea, uh, powers of ideas. Thank you. Power of ideas. Wow, that was a moment. So if you can go on and look it up and where any podcasts are, um, that you can, you can pick it up on where any podcasts are played, Power of Ideas, we, he actually wanted to interview me about why I came up with Black Girl from Eugene and where that's coming from. And it was a pretty in-depth conversation um, and it's super silly and we have a lot of fun and we're you know laughing and cussing and, and doing what we do. And it's a good conversation. So if you guys are interested in, in hearing more about why Black Girl from Eugene came up and how did I get there, then check it out. Also, I want to check out people in Eugene, the local area. There are uh, folks through the NAACP who are helping um, in this crisis at this moment. And if you're needing, if you're having food insecurity or you're needing um, supplies for children, cleaning, masks, um, contact your local NAACP. 
They uh, have a connection throughout the whole community and are doing a lot of good work. Food for Lane County is connected through them as well. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, Naima, do you have any last minute uh, things you'd like to say before we hang up? No, I think it's pretty good. I don't have much to add to it. It was just nice being on the show. I really appreciate it. kind of going through memory lane with you guys. And uh, yeah, I look forward and hope you guys tune in when we get a chance to get Rachel on there because there's a lot of really interesting stuff that, that could be shared. Yeah, Rachel Nassiman. Woo, that's so funny. I mean, like, every time I think about memories with her, I, I just, like, smile from ear to ear. Like, there's nothing bad about her. Yeah, she was, she's an amazing, amazing young lady. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, well, thank you so much.